So, my wife left me at 10.30 this morning. And I'm a goddamn entertainer. So here we are. <laughs> For real. I'm sorry. But you clap and you smile. <laughs> which means I'm a better comedian than I was a husband. <laughs> Every time you go away, you take a piece of poop with you. It's Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Hey, guys. Um, I'm going to try something interesting. Uh, that's not interesting. I, you know what? I overuse that word, interesting. I'm going to try something new. Can I say that instead? Um, starting this week, I'm going to start posting two episodes a week. So I'm posting this episode today, right now, as you are listening to it. That's when I posted it. <laughs> not any time before it. It only exists in the time frame in which you are listening to it. But yes, I am posting this episode today, and uh, I'm going to post another episode on Thursday. And uh, I think I'll probably go this way um, from now on, mainly because I have a bunch of friends that I like talking to and a bunch of people that have asked to do or that I want to do the podcast. Uh, pretty much most of the people I've asked, that have asked to do the podcast are people I want to do it. Um, and so I figured it's a, it, it'll be uh, uh, better in terms of getting uh, more product out there and then I can get more people on the podcast. And I also like to not... Um, I, I like to bank the podcast, so I have something there, but if I can have the conversation more immediate than not, uh, that's always better. Like, if I can post a podcast within the week of me um, recording it with the person, then I feel it's more uh, the most relevant to our personal lives and our personal experiences at the moment. So uh, I feel like posting two podcasts a week will... Uh, keep everything more immediate, if you will. Um, it's been an interesting week for me. I'm getting sued. <laughs> I um, thought I was going to be on a TV show. It's still unknown. When you hear the podcast on Thursday, you'll hear me talk about being having done a pilot uh, in a guest star capacity and um, being like, oh, it's awesome, but... One day um, in the middle of this week, I found out that my role may not be coming back on that TV show. And uh, you know what? That's the life I've chosen. This is my profession. So it's wildly unpredictable at every single moment. Um, and it's never never feels that good when I feel like I don't have enough on the docket. Like I'm not looking at my calendar and feeling secure in what it is that I have um, uh, in terms of bookings. And, and and knowing that I'll make some money off of those things. Um, I have a comedy club next week, or this week, I mean to say. So, hey, if you're in San Antonio, Texas, or near it, I know um, some people from Austin are going to come out. I have per personal friends from Austin that are going to come out to see my show. Um, so, yeah, I'm in San Antonio, Texas this week at the uh, LOL Comedy Club. Uh, I don't know if it was originally called that. It's the Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club, but uh, now they're called the LOL Comedy Club, and uh, I'm really interested to see how that's going to be. It's a lot of shows. I think I've talked about that and already, so I'll just say that again. It's a lot of shows. So I'll be in San Antonio. 
Um, I am also going to be at the Just for Laughs uh, Festival in Chicago, Illinois. You know, Illinois, N-O-I-Z-E, Illinois, girl. So uh, I'm going to be at the LOL Comedy Club um, the 29th of May through the 2nd of June. And then I'm going to San Francisco with my good friend, Brian Cook, um, on June 5th. On June 5th, which is a Wednesday, I'm going to be doing a show called The Business, which is a fantastic uh, underground slash alti San Francisco show run by a bunch of comedians that I love, inclu- uh, including uh, Nato Green, Caitlin Gill, uh, Sean Keen, Bucky Sinister. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, so I'm doing that on Wednesday night, June 5th, and then on Thursday night, June 6th, competitive erotic fan fiction. Um, the brainchild of Brian Cook, which I helped him place at the uh, Nerdist Theater at the Meltdown here in Los Angeles. Meltdown is a comic book store with a back room in which there's the Meltdown show hosted by Jonah Ray and Kumail Nanjiani. And um, they do a bunch of different shows. And Brian's like, hey, do you know anyone at the Nerdist? I'm like, I know everyone at the Nerdist. I didn't say it like that because that would have been stupid and um, uh, douchey. But... Uh, that show is about to, the competitive erotic fan fiction is about to premiere on the Nerdist Network as a podcast. So that's going to be great. So Thursday, June 6th, I'm doing that in San Francisco. And then um, June 12th through June 15th, I'll be at the Just for Laughs Festival in Chicago, Illinois. Um, it is an offshoot of the Montreal Comedy Festival, which I went to last year in July. And a bunch of people are going this year. And uh, I feel I'm supposed to feel good about them going to Montreal and not me. <laughs> this bullshit. It's ridiculous. I got to stop comparing myself to other people. I got to stop being upset about my life through the lens of other people's achievements. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, San Antonio, San Francisco, Chicago. That's what's going to happen. I'll put that all on my schedule on BaronVaughn.com. Um. And uh, I feel like there was something else that I was going to say that I started this speech with, and I can't remember exactly what that was. Um, oh, now I remember. Yes, so this TV show, I, I it's very Hollywood. I was told the role may not be coming back, but they're not sure. They haven't made a call yet, so it may not be coming back, but it may be coming back, but they don't know yet, and we don't know when they'll know. And if it comes back, we don't know if you're going to be in the role or if they're going to recast it and reshoot the pilot and put somebody else in it. So it may or may not be coming back. You may or may not be the role if it does come back. They don't know if it is or isn't going to come back, and we don't know when they'll know if it is or is or if it is or isn't coming back. So therefore, you don't know, we don't know, they don't know, we don't know when they'll know, they don't know when they'll know, they don't know when they'll tell us. So we don't know. That's how it goes. Um and uh, I tried not to be bummed about that because I was like, cool, a paycheck, rent paid, bills paid, pay off these fucking ridiculous traffic tickets I have paid. Um, and then the next, so I heard that and I was like, oh, that sucks for me, life. Uh, yawning, guys. I don't know why I keep doing it. And then the next day I came home to my apartment after being out during the morning and I had a summons taped to my front door a summons because I'm being sued by my alma mater, Boston University. (laughs) Go Terriers. 
Um, they okay. So apparently, there's a phenomenon that's happening right now that motherfuckers that have defaulted federal loans, in specific the Perkins loan, are being served papers left and right. It's happened over the last couple of months a lot, and um, it is a couple of universities. I think like maybe twelve universities are doing this on Moss. So I have. Uh, why do I yawn? Why am I yawning? Why does this yawning happen? I know it's 10 p.m. right now on Sunday night while I'm recording this, but I haven't yawned all day. Nor do I really yawn as a thing, like in general. And then suddenly I start talking to you guys while I'm in a microphone and I want to be fucking clear and have some and have and and sound good. And then I start fucking yawning in the middle of my goddamn sentences because I'm taking in oxygen, I guess. Anyway, um, as I was saying, motherfuckers are getting sued. They're serving papers. It's a government loan, so the government is putting pressure on all these universities to collect. These loans have defaulted, and you guys haven't done shit. We're broke. Get our money. And the universities are like, oh, fuck, Uh, okay. And then they are suing everyone. So I am one of these everyones that they're suing. Uh, I'm being sued for $5,300 by my own university that I paid a lot of money to, I probably have $50,000 in, in, in loans. So this amount that I'm being sued for is only a tenth of what I probably owe in general. Some of it's federal loans, some of it's bank loans. I've lost track of all of it because I'm not good at life. So uh, that's my fault to an extent, but it's my fault that I thought I should ever go to college. And that I thought I should ever go to a college of my own choosing. That I was accepted to a college based on merit and grades and SAT scores. And I was like, hey, I should go there. But I didn't think to be like, wait a minute, I'm kind of poor and I'm from the inner city. Perhaps I should just work at this Jiffy Lube instead of going to college to get some sort of education. (laughs) My bad. Uh, But... It takes going to college to realize that you should have never gone in the first place. But I did that, and I'm going to be paying for it for the rest of my life, financially and especially psychologically. (laughs) Okay, guys, everybody on board? Really? Because this is a fucking comedy boat. Let's do this. Um, Let's do this. Sorry, Mark Maron, to steal your catchphrase. Now, I can't say let's do this on a podcast, and people were like, "Mm, that's Mark Maron. You know what? Other people say that shit. Fuck you guys. Anyway. So the day after I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have a job, which is we don't know if you're going to have any money. The next day I came home and it was like, hey, we're coming for your money. And uh, my, one, my one regret in all of it is not being home when the person who, who, whomever, when whomever taped that summons to my door, taped it to my door. Um, if I would have been home, they would have knocked on the door. I would have answered it. I would have been like, hi. And they would have been like, are you Baron Vaughn? I was like, yeah. And they would have been said, and they would they would have said, you got served. You or no, you've been served. Jesus Christ, I fucking fucked up the joke already that I was gonna make. I regret not being home and opening the door and having a person hand me those papers and say, you've been served because then I would have fucking done the robot and say, no, you got served. But uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> so anyway, um. I'm, I'm, I'll deal with it. I'll be fine. I need to fix this PayPal button on the All Things Comedy thing. I didn't post my page on the All Things Comedy 
page on the All Things Comedy website. So uh, I was available to uh, fix it, uh, or I was told to fix it by the All Things Comedy people, and I went in and I moved a couple things around, but I didn't have my PayPal account set up because since I've had a PayPal account, I've gone through I don't ridiculous amounts of bank accounts at different banks, and uh, I right now don't have a personal bank account. Guys, here's what happened. The day I was supposed to pay off this $1,006 traffic ticket I got for expired tags, I made out a check over the phone post-dated for a certain Monday that I was like, cool, because I'd made a deposit into my personal bank account, and it was going to clear the day that the government of California was going to take out $1,006 from this bank account to cover this traffic ticket. But instead of this money clearing... My bank account closed itself, which was extremely confusing. You see, I had an e-banking account at Bank of America. And they said, well, this is a really restrictive, limited account. But we're not going to charge you a monthly fee as we would normally do at bank accounts as long as you keep a certain amount of money in there. And I was like, cool, no fee, sign me up. But they also said it's a restrictive, limiting account. If you do something that this account is not authorized for, it will flip itself to a regular checking account and we will start charging you the monthly fee. And I was like, okay. But what ended up happening was when I made this deposit with a check into my personal banking account, it wasn't authorized to do that. A bank account that can't authorize a check deposit. Mm, Interesting. My bad. I didn't read the fine print. Uh, well, because I wasn't given any fine print because I talked to a fucking banker. So she didn't have any fine print on her face. She had words coming from her mouth, and this is not something she told me would happen. So, well, she told me it would flip to a regular checking account. But what she didn't say is this: ca- uh, if your account that you currently have will close itself, and it will flip to a regular checking account. But the numbers, the account number associated with that account will be void. So when it flips to a checking account, I mean a completely different uh, account number. So the account number you have and the card, the bank card that you have associated with that account, all that will not work. So anything that you do that has this account on it doesn't exist. This account no longer exists. So on the day that this check was supposed to go through for this ticket, the account closed itself. It was $1,100 deposit. I went online to be like, okay, I hope everything cleared, and it reversed the $1,100, shot the money right out of the account, and closed itself. So that happened the day I was supposed to make out this ticket, and uh, basically that means that I wrote a ticket to the government of California, or wrote a check to the government of California for a traffic ticket that bounced. That's where everything is. So when I heard I might be on a TV show, I was very excited about it. And then when I heard I'm not going to be on a TV show or it's unclear, I was like, okay, uh, lingering depression. Uh, I, I can handle it. I got shit coming up. And then I came home to a summons on my door. And it was like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, shit. Anyway, guys, that's where I am. Speaking of that, speaking of which, my guest today is my good friend Dax Jordan, whom we had twice already. Dax is a comedian I like as a human being from the good town of Portland, Oregon. Dax is currently going through a separation. 
with his wife of three years, whom he was in a relationship for three years before they got married. So a six-year-long relationship is ending. Unfortunately, they got married, so there's going to be paperwork involved. Uh, And because of this, he is kind of redefining himself. He is uh, looking at the habits uh, and the attitudes and the ideas that he feels contributed to the demise of his marriage um, in terms of how he acted in it and in terms of how his wife acted in it. And hopefully he will become a new person. And in this podcast, it seems like he's on the verge of of that. Um, I recorded this yesterday. So now, so two days ago from when you guys are listening to it. And I think that Dax is in a good place. I think he's had some good realizations. I give him my unsolicited advice. <laughs> he's on my podcast. I can tell you what the fuck I think about your life, motherfucker. So uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting one, and the subject is transition. And uh, as you can see by the words on the podcast, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. So here it is. I am transitioning from an entire different life to a life I have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. Um, for the uh, listeners at home, uh, about a, a, a month ago, I was happily married. About two weeks ago, I was no longer married. And now I'm in the transition phase of becoming a self-defined person. Um, uh, you're in the, in the midst of a separation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When you say divorce, it's crazy because, all right, I guess that means paperwork. Because when you think about it, marriage, the way we think of it is just a piece of paperwork as well. I mean... Well, the government recognizes it. Yeah. And and that's... The, once you sign that paper, then you've got certain regulations that are now in your favor. Or not in your favor, should the thing end. Um, but yeah, so that, that that legal part will be will be done soon. But the separation is there. It's like, oh, yep, she is not coming back. The psychological <laughs> aspect, the psycho-emotional aspect is yeah, kind of... of redefining yourself. You don't need any paperwork for that. Nope. Except nope. for the tissues that you cry into. Mm, hey. That's paper, buddy. <laughs> the softest paper. That's a tree just helping you right there. That is. It's, whoever knows, a tree could be such a good friend. Oh, they just bend down to wipe that snot right out of your face. Hey, thanks. Thanks for thanks for extending me a branch tree. <laughs> it's going to be a lot more. Um, yeah, after six and a half years together of mm-hmm. just you know thinking about someone all the time and just taking their needs into consideration with all of your needs, mm-hmm. um, you just become like addicted on a cellular level to their presence, and you know everything is geared towards both of you existing. Mm-hmm. And a all, unit. all of a sudden, it's yeah. All of a sudden, you get that arm cut off, and you, you just—it's a phantom thing for a while. It's you're you're trying to figure out what's you and what isn't. Mm. And um, in myself in particular, uh, I was a fairly undefined person for a long time and and I kind of I let the ex and also stand up comedy to some degree define me in a little bit of an unhealthy way. 
Can you speak more to that? Because what do you what do you mean by you were an undefined person? Um, I a lot of my definition for myself was um, was not coming from a place of uh, appreciating myself at all, or um, finding myself to be uh, worthy of certain attentions, mm. or you know, um, even of my own self love, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I've been explaining it to people is uh, it's kind of a bummer. So uh, if you think of something funny to say, do it. Uh, <laughs> when I, I'm, I'm one of those kids who, when I was a teenager, I was very much, uh, I was very, uh, just wore my emotions on my sleeve. Um, I was raised in uh, a very, you know, uh, emotionally open family. Um, my dad is not like a manly dude, but he, he's, he's, very in touch with his feminine side and expressive of his feelings and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I was raised into that, but then I also didn't have a strong like masculine sense when I started coming into relationships with women, when I started to, you know, you're in high school and you see all the dudes getting girls and you have no idea how that's happening. And you're trying to deal with, all right, how do I communicate with women? Let them know, uh, hey, I love you and I want your thing and let's be, you know, hang out together and touch hands. Ah, wouldn't that be an amazing <laughs> thing? What if my hand just touched yours? That's all I want. Oh, you'll be over there? Okay. Um, it, yeah, that that constant battering of not getting back and having no idea how to, how to connect at that level. Are you saying um, it's basically like a kind of a nice guy's finish last? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Always the nice guy friend zone kind of a thing. And... Um, you know, I would occasionally, well, what I did was I ratcheted down my emotional output. Like I, I, I consciously made the choice, um, on top of, because it turned out I was becoming a nerdy kid and, you know, you start to define, oh, I see those are the jocks. Those are the whatever the, those are the nerds. Oh, I'm in the nerdy camp because I like Star Trek and, um, you know, physics and stuff. So, uh, I'll be over here reading the books. Um, mm. and so then occasionally, you know, nerdy girls would, you would connect with them and you'd have a mind blowing experience of, Oh my gosh, I finally get to connect with a girl and I'll give her my everything mm. and all that, you know, you're looking for emotion. A, I ratcheted down looking for a basket to put all your eggs <laughs> is in now. Yeah. It, I'm now like, uh, when, uh, the X-Man Cyclops takes off his glasses, right. And just everything's just, uh Oh, this is a little intense. So I love that your 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 go to <laughs> metaphor for your emotions is a Cyclops reference, and I'm not even a comic book guy. It's just that those just what's people. great about those comic book superheroes. One, you know, I've seen the X Men movies is how I know about most of them. Is just they all have such an emotional thing attached to whatever their power is. Yes, yes, you can, you can relate to them. So in that case, yeah, it was just too much, and I'm just just always um, giving all to one person or thing and then letting that define me mm. instead of kind of spreading it around based on kind of a, a self-led intuitive sense. So you feel that you weren't maintaining yourself, right? Yeah. I was not maintaining myself. Okay. Um, and I, their sense of self, I mean to say, yeah. Um, so branching out from there, I just, uh, I, I kind of went about life with, uh, with a, a, a dimmer sense of self. Um, because a lot of what, your sense of self is is a reflection from other people. You know, other people are kind of mirrors, and you find what whether they're attracted to your presence and what you bring to the table emotionally, um, or they just kind of ignore it. Um, 
And I, I found myself just, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, I guess I'm just not that interesting, or, uh, I guess I'm just not that, you know, hard a worker or ambitious or whatever, because I was only portioning out that bit of emotion that I was willing to give to just very specific things and people, you know, I was so guarded with it, Mm. um, that it really, it, it didn't allow me to connect with people or things in a lot of ways. Guarded um, because you felt you didn't want to be vulnerable. Yeah, I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't, you know, uh, everything started making me sad and just depression became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it got to the point that uh, it, things would make me cry so easily that I'd have to avoid anything emotional in public. Mm. You know, so you learned, you taught yourself to hold yeah to hold deflect put put some art to colossus (laughs) your emotions put the the shield up and either extricate myself from an emotional situation or ice cold (laughs) as outcast once said that's right okay um cue the tubas so i i've spent my whole life kind of in that cocoon Mm. and uh i I met a girl six and a half years ago who was attracted to kind of the nerdiness part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but through stand-up comedy, I conquered a major part of what most, you know, uh, closed-off dorky kids are stuck with their whole life. You What's know? that? Being able to publicly speak mm-hmm. makes it look like you have a social ability. Mm. And authority. Yeah, it gives you, yeah, yeah. It, it, it lends you a weird sense of, of credibility on several fronts. Um, so I, I think, because the first time she ever saw me was at a stand-up show. She was there with my friends. So um, th- her first initial impression of me was one that was slightly false, I think, um, of thinking that there was something there inside me that there really wasn't as far as confidence or and you, credibility. you didn't necessarily think um, there was. She yeah. may have seen it, and you're like, that's not there, but we can't say <laughs> right. that's true. Yeah, so who knew? So, um, yeah, so the relationship started, and, and just like with any relationship I'd ever had, uh, I was stumbling along with uh, not a very well-defined sense of self, and um, slowly over time, um, and I was so happy to have her, because mm-hmm. she's just amazing and beautiful, and anybody who's ever met her has been like, oh, wow, she is amazing and beautiful. And um, I was just, I just saw, I had so much gratitude that she was there, and also I didn't understand why she was there. So, in that sense, you let her define you. Yeah. You basically let her dictate to you whom it was you were supposed to be. Not, yeah, not, and not purposely, so much as there but was, that was just what a, used a hole. To. Yeah. I just had. You know, through through not being able to turn on my own internal light bright enough to light my path, I can I've always had to use other people's. Um, and she has a really bright light. Um, so I just kind of stood in the warmth of her light. And uh, you could also say that uh, <laughs> one could also say that that means that she's very uh, bossy or controlling. Um, I didn't find that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Um, Maybe uh, narcissistic a little bit in um, not necessarily like because you can let your light shine, but also recognize what other people's things is, is what are doing and, and help yeah guide them towards a light or out of it or something. I guess um, you ever heard this thing about uh, and it sounds like the 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 quote unquote gender roles would be reversed in this sense. 
um, this book on marriage, the history of marriage that I've been reading for very slowly <laughs> for a while. I'm like, oh, hard to commit 10 pages and done. Hard exactly. to commit to a I book on marriage. Hard to commit to that marriage book. I mean, just like, is this the book I really want to read oh, for man. the rest of the book? I vow to read this whole book. I vow. Um, she said, um, that, uh, a lot of our ideas on romance are based on, uh, gender extremes mm-hmm. that kind of date from Victorian England era in which she said, uh, it's basically the man is this, you know, bright light. He's this guy that can do all this stuff and look at me and I'm amazing. And then the woman is this virginal, demure, like, uh, uh, thing mm-hmm. that can appreciate and admire him and not get in his fucking way. That was like the thing. Wow. So in it's a crazy way, crazy to think of. I, it is, but in a way, you're, you're, I'm, I'm saying, and you can feel free to tell me I'm wrong. I feel like that's what you're kind of saying, but like reversed. Yeah. Or it's like, she's this amazing thing and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm not getting her way. Yeah. It, that, that's, that's definitely a, yeah, it, it was, it was the reverse of mm-hmm. that standard thing. Um, and, and the Victorian era version of it obviously was influenced by, you know, repressive Judeo Christianity and, mm-hmm. and, you know, women having become uh, objects to own, you know, once, well, especially once like civilization started kicking in. Incredible. Catholicism and Christianity, but let's lest let us not forget that Victorian era it was capitalism with no fucking regulation. <laughs> right, Just right. Robber barons, swindling, swindling, and and stealing railroads and, and oil, and rail, land exactly. grabs. And that's why Sherlock Holmes had to go in and fucking sh- fucking fuck some motherfuckers up. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Exactly. This crazy pre-thought out punching plan. But still, it's like get as much as you can, take everything. Yeah, and that was the big manly thing to do. Yeah, grab, 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 power, 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 and then you can, you know, buy all the women you want. Uh, and that, and so it's based on this kind of power dynamic. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. So you and guys had this a very clearly defined power dynamic. It it ended up falling into that, and it was, uh, yeah, my depression got worse, and she saw my depression getting worse, and you know, the she was the one person I didn't want to see me, you know, feeling weaker and weaker, okay. but. She was the only person, you know, I felt I could reveal it to. You know, when someone's your best friend. Right. But also you're trying to maintain uh, an idea of strength Mm -hmm. for someone who you know is going, also has weak periods. You know, it's, uh, it can be, it can be really tough. Um, So you were kind of stuck between that. I want her to know me, but not this part of me. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe she won't like this. But there was no way to hide it. You know, there was, there was no way for me to hide it. Um, and, uh, so my own personal, uh, internal light was getting dimmer and dimmer and I was getting more and more lost into what I thought my identity was, which was, you know, I basically, uh, became, uh, identified as just the husband of this amazing lady. You know, I, I, I kind of, uh, and I was, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that on. You were kind of delighted. She's a by special that thing, and and requires some maintenance, and and uh, I'm the, I'm the head maintenance guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think of it that way. And Look, uh, I know this car. Yeah, yeah. And when I'm not doing that, uh, I am a comedian, which is a person who uh, only does comedy for a living. And uh, if you do something else, then oh, certainly you are uh, declaring that you've been beaten by the system, and mm. uh, you're sliding backwards, and are therefore not funny or useful in the comedy scene. It's a lot of fucking pressure uh, you're putting on yourself. There. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> those I- those identities uh, based on 
either false pride in the sense of comedy or a lack of pride <laughs> at all about yourself relationship wise um those two things just worked to open the door wide for somebody else to just walk up and uh walk up to the ex and say uh oh the everything's going down the tubes for you <laughs> you know, you're not li- you're not living the life you're supposed to be living um because someone else is draining off of you and mm. and you're stuck on a path trying to help that person who is your best friend but for whom you no longer have passion because he doesn't have passion for himself or the things he's doing i mean it became a a passionless environment there was still sexual energy and a friendship bond but there wasn't familiarity that, yeah um but there wasn't I, I was not I didn't have any of my own internal passion to provide to bring to the equation. Mm. You know, I had uh I wanted to write jokes and make jokes and be funny and get gigs or whatever and I didn't even know what I wanted internally. So uh upon her being snatched up by another dude um and being torn away from me and my identity being turned upside down, um that's when that's when I kind of I was so disassembled you know the 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 idea is I actually kind of exploded apart, mm-hmm. and part of it, like you just from not sleeping for two weeks because she was gone, like she met this guy out of town, and the uh, the experience all took place away. I was at home, she was not. You were at home, also surrounded <laughs> by her things, surrounded by her things, pictures of her, yeah, pictures yeah. of both of you, yeah, and you know, in a normal home, it'd be okay, our stuff, but a tiny bit of it's mine. <laughs> But what? most of it's hers that she's paid for or well, that's stuff I wouldn't want anyway. Almost an incredible know. metaphor there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. This all is right. all her stuff. A little bit it's mine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was so physically and mentally broken down from like the two-week process of everything falling apart and not getting good communication um, that I was, yeah, I was kind of able to just see myself more clearly than I'd ever been able to see. And what is it that you see, sir? And and that's when I saw, like, what, what the thing I explained to you about what I did, what you know, ratcheting my emotions back when I was a teenager for protection. That's what I saw because I had never consciously realized that until mm. that point of where I'm like, okay, so somebody who does have that light and who does have that passion for life has come along, and she said, "Oh my God, this is what I want." This is what I've been waiting for and looking for, and I didn't even realize it because I had been burying myself along some other path to take care of the person who doesn't have the passion. So mm-hmm. when he walked into the picture and lit up her world, she was like, "Oh, this! Oh, this is my path." And I had to, I had to ask myself, like, "Wait, what does he have that I don't?" And you could easily get caught in all these kind of traps of like of well he's better looking he's taller he's got a you know his family's got money he's, you know he can kickbox you know you can you can all pile all sorts of baloney on there but in essence the one piece of truth that came out of it is that what he had was an internal sense of self and passion for life that came from wanting to express your own internal emotions Mm-hmm. outwards and experience things and people and be in touch um and once i i i was like 
I feel like I had that once. Hmm. And I, all I said but to myself, and this is, I think, a good exercise. If I were ever like to lead an empowerment seminar, this would be the only exercise I could, you know, I'd say, oh, this is what worked for me. Uh, if you're not happy, go back to the last time you felt like fully happy, mm. like fully like a, a person that you were defined by only yourself and you were engaging with the world and you weren't cynical or uh you know constantly being tailed by darkness um <laughs> so i was just like i went back to that point and uh and i remembered that it was as a teenager as an early teenager and it manifested itself in my mind as me looking in the mirror and thinking i was a, a good looking guy as opposed to when i started ratcheting it all down and deciding that I was a dork and not worthy of everybody's love or not worth, you know, there'd be no point in loving everybody. Um, I started to think of myself as ugly or weird looking and, but that's based on, uh, other people as well. Right. Other, like the input you were getting or, um, yeah, I mean, it all fed in on itself because I made the decision first. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and it's funny because I thinking of that as looking in the mirror. Um, when I made the realization, I, I was looking in the mirror at the time when it happened at home, just like I don't know, fresh out of the shower or something, and like looking at looking myself in the eyes. And when I, when all this realization came upon me all at once, uh, it was almost as if that that wet blanket that I had thrown over my own fire just. I didn't even have to do any work to lift it or hmm. take it off. It like it just disappeared. Like it just magically turned to dust and there was a a bright light underneath it and I was looking in the mirror when it happened and for the first time in my adult life I was looking at myself and not just naturally seeing something that I did not like. Not hmm. that was unlikable, but that I didn't like and that I didn't necessarily understand why people would like it hmm. um and you trained yourself to go down that thought path i guess I, yeah i had yeah it just it it was and then people other people natural thing reinforced and, it yeah yeah and i um they went oh I people guess it must be true yeah then. because people want to agree with you people are nice right <laughs> and if you go around saying how weird looking you are people will be like oh, oh yeah they'll even if they don't want to like be seen as agreeing with you they won't disagree with you and if they do it might come off as disingenuous or something or or you know you might brush it aside like ah you're just trying to be nice or whatever mm. um what this whole thing um <laughs> so it was such a it was such an amazing transformative moment um and i, I just i mean I, I cried for hours um but it was the type of it wasn't the sadness crying because through all this, like I've, uh, there's definitely been two different types of crying that I go through. <laughs> and, uh, what are the two crying? There's the, there's the confused sadness crying, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, that's, right. that's involved. I don't in, know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the type of crying you do at, uh, you know, in, at a movie when somebody overcomes a crazy obstacle and catharsis, the cathartic, happy crying. That's a celebration of release yeah of a moment yeah exactly and and uh 
I'll spend my life trying to figure out why that why crying happens then, at least for me. And a it's lot of to be people, your brain's yeah. reset button, isn't it? Uh, like a wave of endorphins, and it's kind of like you're you. It's almost like you're literally flushing whatever was in your brain out. That sounds like as good a theory as any. <laughs> and of all the, I mean, I have a psychology degree, and I'm fascinated by all this stuff. And it's the it's probably the one thing I've never looked into even a little bit. Crying, yeah. Mm. And as much of I as I have done with it of it in my life. I mean, I, I've probably cried once a week since I was a teenager at some point. Mm. Um, yeah, to, to have never examined that on an intellectual level is, is kind of crazy. But, um, but for after, after I looked myself in the eye and for some reason didn't hate myself anymore, um, I, I cried that celebratory kind of somebody's overcome an obstacle or like when in extreme home makeover, when the uh, you know one legged Iraq war vet comes back to find he's got a brand new house mm. and it's uh, wheelchair accessible, and uh, and everybody cries with joy. That's a better metaphor. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, like when Rocky gets to the top of the mountain and the music. <laughs> Yours is much better. Yeah, I like real stuff. <laughs> yeah, extreme, extreme, extreme uh, home makeover. Yeah, way realer than Rocky. A little bit. A little Actually, bit. it is realer than Rocky. It's reality television. <laughs> Yeah, reality is a genre. Um, we continue what you're saying. So, yeah that that's that's my transformative process. That that's what I went through, and um, just being able to talk to people about it has been extra cathartic and and helped me kind of carry on. Because it was kind of it seemed like a manic episode when it was happening. Yeah, yeah. Because I I've seen people go through those, and you know I've I've mostly been depressive, but I've had occasional you know almost manic episodes um well it's like your body it's like your body trying to find some sort of normalcy yes you know in the other way pendulum swing yeah you know teacher mine used to say you open a door that far down that hall one equal equidistant the other way down the hall opens Mm -hmm. so it's like when you have those uh intense moments of pain it creates intense moments it creates your ability to swing the other way to intense moments of joy or happiness, mm-hmm. and the opposite is true. And too. sometimes somebody's there pushing that swing. <laughs> somebody, somebody is pushing that swing, and they're like, "You're not doing it right." Oh, uh, why are you push? I'm going to jump off. Oh, I hate Don't. This. I'll go over the top and turn inside out. Careful. I hate this right. <laughs> um. Oh, that's right. Turn going over the top and inside out. That was a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. And then uh, the the penny claymation cartoon on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse actually did it. Did that? I remember. Yeah. Whole. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me. It was, yeah, that was some of the darkness that Pee Wee was letting through. So weird. Because it. Um, it was a dark show, and then they made it tried to make it into a legitimate <laughs> kid show. It was, like, it was a comment on kid shows. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, that's a tangent. So, but, okay, this is fascinating shit. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and, and yes, there, I have been writing comedy about it. Good. And uh, I'm not trying to drag bits out here, but there, there is a lot to be... A lot to be said, said about it. Yeah. 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 And there and were then, things that I started thinking of before, like even when I just had an inkling of what was starting to happen, you know, maudlin kind of very dark lines started coming into my head. Mm. Um, the type of things that if you said to an audience, <laughs> they would be like, wow, uh, that's emotional more than it is funny. But what it points to is a sense of identity. Yeah, it points to a sense of self. Mm-hmm. You're coming from a perspective. 
Yeah. So it's always going to be something. And when you feel that you have put your foot down on something, mm-hmm. a feeling or an expense or experience, then you can speak from that place. It doesn't necessarily mean you're accurate. Yeah. And you know, like the, I, I guess the one, that one first, the first line I thought of in the whole thing uh, was a reflection of where I was at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how it's no longer relevant. Um, what is it? And it's just that, uh, like it would be an opening line to say uh, to the audience, hey, I was almost late. I, uh, I, I witnessed an accident today. Uh, my wife accidentally fell in love with someone else. <laughs> and then, of course, you could punch that up with all kind of, you know, metaphors of, you know, crashing and glass broken and smoke. And I love how you're, I love your delivery in it. <laughs> it's so classic. <laughs> That's like, all I've got. Uh, is yeah. You sounded like Henny Youngman for five seconds. My wife, uh, she uh, accidentally <laughs> fell in love with somebody else. Who? Whoa! That's kind of my identity as a comic is along yeah. those classic lines. Like I'm not much of a performer. I'm not a theater guy. I don't. I don't have a quirky side thing. I'm like. Am I like a guy in a suit? And <laughs> nothing and, wrong with that. And and you have a cocktail and you know are on a date. But that's a real. Like, that's real. That's real shit. Yeah. It's not marketable right now. What real at shit? All. Just being along the classic lines like yeah, that. It is. Um, it's totally marketable. Jokes are jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's getting more marketable. I think as we're coming out of the alt swing, I think, I think, I, and I've seen amongst the, the third, kids here. The third wave. Yeah, I've, I've seen amongst the kids here when you go to the super hip alt rooms um, and the kids are all, you know, <laughs> ooh, hip. Um, right. That when, uh, like when Jake Johansson shows up to do a set of Meltdown or something and just rattles everybody's brain by being like a, a guy, a, a fucking comedian, an actual fucking comedian, and and watching people, yeah, watching these kids who have only been raised on alt comedy. This is alt comedy to them now. Well, because but <laughs> J- but, but someone like Jake Johansson was at the front of the first wave. Yeah, like he was were, part of the bridge, definitely. The, that's that's the, why he's still here. That's the thing that I mean. I ha- I don't know if you've ever heard my theory about the three waves of alt comedy. Yeah. So we're in the third. Yeah. That second wave, they came up with only that shit. That yeah. first wave were guys like Jake Johansson, guys like Mark Marin, like, you know, uh, Margaret Cho, Sarah Silverman, Louis C.K., Dana Gould, who had that perspective, but you just had a comedy club. So they right. had to figure out a way to be themselves in that paradigm. Yeah. And then said, okay, well, but let's also create these other venues where our peers are. Yeah. But I think I totally think it's a it's definitely the pendulum is swinging the other way. Yeah, I feel like that too. Uh, but it's been you know it's been a struggle, career wise, just trying to figure out where I fit in. But and, see, and the other who thing about that, that that joke that you just told mm-hmm. is it's based in this little thing called reality. Yes, and to get back to the joke, it, yeah. at the time it was such reality, and it was absolutely true. But the key phrase in there is. Uh, my wife accidentally fell in love with another man and it was not an accident. Like there was, there was nothing accidental about it. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I always knew it was going to happen. And I, I was totally complicit in every little thing that set it up. It it would be like saying my TV accidentally got stolen because I left it on the sidewalk near Hollywood Boulevard and went away for an hour. I almost feel like this is the second part of the joke. (laughs) <laughs> like that's it it's like no nah, it's not really an accident i cut the brake wires you know you make a good point about not abandoning the original joke but instead bringing back bringing back what it to what it meant at the time and and how i know that now exactly yeah yeah why not 
Yeah. That's always that other perspective. That's why it's good to bounce things off people. Hey. I was ready to throw it away. You gotta bounce I'm a I'm put it in the shredder. I'm a racquetball cord of ideas, dude. Ping. Shit bounces off me. You better be ready to run. Blue collar sport okay. right there. We're gonna cause a racket. Ball. <laughs> that's stupid. Uh I like that. It's a good joke. See, that's the other thing is that um I want to uh you know Nato Green? I love him. Yeah. Uh Nato Green is a very funny comedian from the Bay Area who also has jokes based in reality. <laughs> <laughs> very much reality. But reality in his actual experience and ideas and opinions. Now, um because I've come, never really considered myself alty, but I've never considered myself clubby either. Mm-hmm. I've always thought I straddle some sort of line in that I like to do what I like to do in the way that I like to do it. Mm-hmm. And clubs tend to go for structure over content, mm-hmm. I think. Here's a joke. doesn't necessarily matter what it's about. Right. And then alty tends to go to content over structure. Mm-hmm. Here's some silly, crazy idea. Yeah, sometimes, but I'm rambling. <laughs> you know, but some people and it doesn't to... matter because you didn't pay fifteen dollars and a two drink minimum, and exactly. But yeah. that, but you need that 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 yeah place to experiment. Now that's why I think there's value to both things. Yeah, because I like to talk about what I like to talk about. So the alt scene has given me the confidence or the means to just play. I'm going to talk about whatever this fucking subject I want. But clubs tend to be filled with <laughs> realer people. Yeah, people actual who, America. Actual America. And you know what? People condescend to the, the clubs. Average consumer. It's the supermarket. It's not it's not the Whole Foods. It's not Whole Foods, exactly. It's it's Because people who go to Whole Foods are, are way Ralph's. too jaded yeah. sometimes. But <laughs> yeah. like, look, it's I go to Whole Foods sometimes. I'm like, you know what? I should treat myself good tonight. Yeah. I'm going to get a salad from Whole Foods. Yeah, let's see what the, the smartest, most thoughtful kids are doing exactly even though it's not accessible to everybody exactly but i'm not above ralph's or albertson's sometimes yeah. you need something this is i don't know about this metaphor <laughs> <laughs> anymore i'm just saying there's danger in being too precious yeah definitely. um but nato was in town and did a quote-unquote alt show that will remain nameless and he said something that i felt like that was something that i could never articulate myself Mm. Which is that he said something like, uh, I don't know, these audiences want everyone to be so wry. They don't know how to deal with earnestness. Mm. Like sincerity and earnestness aren't as interesting as you being clever. Right. So if you can put them two together, sometimes they'll go with you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find the people who can put them together seem to be putting them together, getting the most. Like that song. <laughs> but anyway, back to back to the point. That was a little. Fucking bullshit tangent, but uh, go ahead. You're gonna say something? No, no, no. I was gonna say I like the tangent. I'm just saying that, like, you're you're that's it, it's something that's based in reality, and that it is a perspective. Yeah, and it's interesting now because a I have something really interesting to talk about, mm-hmm. and for me personally, it's weird because I also, having had a transformative internal experience, mm-hmm. have a different perspective. In not only the writing process, but also the performance process and just how I'm connecting to the audience. Or Can you speak on that? Um, very little, because I haven't done that much performing since this has happened. Uh, any like, comedians in Los Angeles are listening to this podcast right now. Dax Jordan 
is available for bookings. <laughs> yeah, I am, and it's time. I I have I'm hit the email stage. you motherfuckers. <laughs> I have hit the stage a couple times. As as a matter of fact, uh, the day it happened, it happened on a Monday morning at ten thirty. Is when after a weekend of complete silence, which I knew what that meant, I was like, oh, she's burying her head in the sand, gathering up her strength to cut the cord and let me know it's completely over. Mm-hmm. Stop giving me any hope. Um, so it happened uh, that Monday morning at ten thirty. And that night, I went and did nine minutes on it at uh, the Beanery in Pasadena there. Um, Who shows that? uh, Melissa McQueen's. Oh, yeah, Melissa McQueen. Yeah. Um, So it was, yeah, it was super raw, and friends and I had worked out, you know. Like I said, I had lines just kind of coming to me naturally and Mm -hmm. um, over time, and I was kind of just working through stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, and I had to keep, there wasn't that much of an audience, but I, they kept asking, wait, what? Really? This morning? And I'm like, yeah, this morning. But here I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a recording of it. Luckily, uh, oh, good. Uh, Brett Hamill, was, uh, he turned on his iPhone and recorded. And I've listened to it once. How do you feel about it? Um, uh, it there's a core of something there. Mm. And it was definitely compelling. And uh, I'm glad I did it. Now, I'm, I'm going to listen to it again soon. Okay. Um, now that I'm getting more clear of all the negative emotions and blamings, and are well, you going to be you know. okay with me? Can I hear it? Can I put a little clip of it at the beginning of this podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, we could figure out how to do that. Okay, so anyone who's listening, you—that's what you heard at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. Wow. <laughs> what time is it? And now we've said it, so it has to happen. We just talked I about the future out. and the present. That's something that's in the past. This is yesterday's news. We're in the Tomorrow. past, but we're talking about the future, which to someone right now is the present. And they're like, holy shit, they're talking about right now, but then. You know what I'm saying? We're there. We're there. This is happening right now. You guys, we're there. We're there. Oh, okay. Headphones. So, I know, headphones. I'm wearing headphones or not. Uh, I feel like an asshole. Anyway. You kind of look like an asshole. Oh, good. Yeah. I was wondering. Those things are huge. I was, I was thinking. Like, if I've I never like seen one, bigger headphones in my oh, life. come on. Yeah, you have. There's a character in the new Star Trek sequel that like just has a giant metallic-looking head on the bridge, and you look like that character. Did you already right see now. Star Trek? Twice, yeah. You fucking dick, jeez. I bought tickets three months ago. You dick fuckle tuckle fuckle. screening thing. All right, oh, so right. Here, here's a story. So, yeah. I uh yeah, I bought two tickets. Yes, I was actually about to say this. Yeah. Natch um to go cuz yeah, it's a big deal and she likes Star Trek and for the last movie we actually rented like classic Trek tunics and mm-hmm. wore them Holy when we went. Fuck. Yeah. Um so so the plan was going to be uh yeah, okay, it's good. It's a birthday thing. Come with me and um so I ended up not being able to find someone to to use that second ticket. Like, I had a couple of people who could, oh, oh, but it was too last minute. And uh, so I ended up going by myself. But and it was a fairly packed theater. Pause for the sadness of the listener. Yep. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It was a fairly packed theater. But, I, of course, since nobody took the seat next to me, and it's one of those, uh, it's, the, you know, the nicer theaters, you pick your seats specifically mm-hmm. and everything. So, um, so the seat next to me was empty, uh, you know, where my former life was sitting. And... On the other side of me, for some reason, that seat was empty. Like in a packed theater, like the only two empty seats were either side of me, which was perfect because what I didn't know is I was going to cry eight times during this movie. Wow. (laughs) 
I had no idea, and I was so thankful. Can I make uh, nobody was sitting next to me on either? Can side. I make a some sort of uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for? I was gonna say metaphor, but that's not right. Idiom adage, simile, S- something about you were literally stuck between your past and your future right there. Ah, if I was there high, if I was high, wow, I'd be like that seat to your right is is where someone used to be sitting. Right, that seat to your left is where someone will sit. I had not even thought of it that way. I know, and neither had I until you said that. All I was thinking was, man, I'm I'm glad (laughs) nobody... No, I actually never thought about how I was alone. Because I'm an only child, and I've spent a lot of time just wandering around alone. I've Mm -hmm. gone to movies alone. Mm -hmm. um, So I'm I'm, I'm too comfortable in that mold. Um, So, yeah, it never occurred to me that I'm alone. It occurred to me I had such gratitude because, like I said, I I hate emoting in public because Mm. I do... Because I know it happens to me so easily that I was just happy that I could, you know. And I had the 3D glasses on that helped cover up a little <laughs> bit. Uh, if you can imagine they're all foggy. someone in 3D glasses and then just tears coming out of the bottom of them. Well, but also anybody that looked at you was just like, wow, he's really concerned about Kirk right Man, now. he's really into this. He uh, fucking loves Star Trek Klingon right confrontation, man. I mean, Holy shit, girls cry when... Those Kirk are like cry. slow Romulan tears right man, now. Man, yeah, the ladies are crying when... Uh, Cumberbatch Rumperbund comes on screen because he's so sexy. But uh, <laughs> Cumberbatch Rumperbund, uh, don't really. I haven't seen it, so don't. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. I would never. Do Seriously, that. but one spoiler, just one. No, not <laughs> really, <not laughs> his hair is amazing. Uh, oh shit! Why yeah. did you tell me that? That's a gigantic Spoiled. plot point. Spoiled. Son of a fucking. Um, so yeah, part of the reason it was so emotionally, not just because you know we watched Star Trek together and it was a thing for us, is she even worked a Kirk Spock metaphor into her vows hold for silence no i'm i just dropped my head back and i pointed at you can i hear the the, can i can you say it i don't remember the exact words but you remember that it was basically you're the kirk to my spock (laughs) and i was so happy when she said that and like it just sealed the deal further during the wedding ceremony. They're like, oh, my <laughs> You're God. You're like, we're getting so married now. Clearly... We're getting married before, but now we're getting so married. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, the, you know, the subtext of all these Star Trek movies so far is the is the relationship with Kirk and Spock. Spock, yeah. And them figuring out how to retain their friendship and, and their relationship. When they disagree when on so many when, things. Exactly, when they have such different views of the world, but their their loyalty to, to each other is such that, uh, you know, nothing in the universe can tear them apart as they discover themselves and learn more about themselves by learning about the other. All this stuff that I was like, well, what the fuck? We were supposed to do that. They were intergalactic. We were supposed to be. Felix yeah. and Oscar. They're, they're exactly. the space odd couple. Yeah. I know we're two different people in our marriage. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to help each other out, and we promised that we would you not know, give up on each other and all that shit. So it just kept coming over me in, in waves. And it's, uh, you know, it speaks to how good I thought the movie was that I still enjoyed it. <laughs> and I still laughed at the many funny parts and, you know, it was an audience full of real fans, so we were clapping constantly when cool things happened and when little references were made that mm. were very inside Star Trek. Oh, and, uh, Jesus. I won't get into So I had, I had my people. Like, I was surrounded by my people, but from just enough of a distance that I could be in my little thing. I want community, but uh, <laughs> an arm's length. Yes, and okay. they literally were. So. And you got it. Yeah. So it was great. Um, so I, luckily, I saw the movie again yesterday, but without all the crying. 
Oh, okay. And surrounded by friends. Hey. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And that's, I think, something maybe that you, that's what I was going to say is, do you feel surprised or reinforced as you've been going through this, the friends and the support that you've gotten from people? You're like, oh, shit, people do care. Um, Did you always know yes. it or just, it's just nice to feel it again still? So it's nice to know that people are showing up and, and being like, Dax, are you okay? Shit like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I knew I had enough really close friends that I could count on the small handful of people that I always knew I could count on. But I was surprised by the outpouring to a greater degree. And, you know, because this all happened just before my birthday. So I actually had a birthday party or as I preciously branded it, my rebirthday. Right. Because um, that's what it felt like. Pins bowling alley. So yeah, Ventura. And I was so happy by how many people showed up, even people that I didn't know. My life had just been ripped apart, and that I needed a party and people more than anything. Like hmm. there were there were people that just showed up because hey, Dax's birthday party, and we're at a bowling alley, and it's cosmic bowling, and there's an arcade and fun, and like um. So having to break the news to people while they're there, like halfway through their piece piece of pizza, was. Kind of weird, oh, but man. so a lot of people didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people didn't know, and they're like, "What? Fuck! Oh my god!" I'm like, yeah, we're at a party though. Whatever, let's bowl. Um, so yeah, but the the, the people showing up, and I think that was the best birthday party maybe that I've ever had. Oh snap! Like, I had I had fun personally. Like there was a lot of joy going on, and and you know, different groups of my friends kind of coming together, and uh, people that I didn't ever think were going to show up did, and it was uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was that outpouring of, of support. And uh, I feel bad for the ex in uh, because the way she's going about this thing and advertising her new man and all that stuff uh, is seems to be very ill thought out. And she's jumping way into something clearly too early. Um, but... I kind of don't blame her. She's been too safe about a lot of things for a long time. Well, and she I think she just wants to be out of control for a bit and she clearly is. Maybe. And um I, I can I do you mind if I volunteer some information at this point? Go to it. Now I might be just talking out of my ass in so many different Does ways. Does not smell like it. So Okay, oh, yet yeah. watch out. Oh. I brushed it. Before, some banaka. Probably came over. Is that, is that a reference to something? Ace Ventura. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Perhaps some Banaka. <laughs> um, so, first one. Yeah. Okay. Is that Tone Loke? Yeah. Okay, good. So, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what actor said it? Yeah. So, um, well, no, no, no. It, that was when Jim Ace Ventura was talking out of his out ass. Of his ass. That's right. Mind if I ask you a question? Mind if I ask? Can I ask you a Oh, good God. I still think it's funny. I still think it's funny. It still holds up, man. It's so. I saw it last year and it laughed. But Just now I know when I see it now, I can see how incredibly over the top. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm an energetic guy, and I was exhausted by Jim Carrey's performance in that movie. Yeah, right. Like, Holy shit. Now I get, but of course, my 13-year-old self, I'm like, this is fucking incredible. This is what yeah, I like. Yeah, I'm a spaz too. I'm this yeah. guy. And now I'm like, holy fuck. How could a grown man sustain how that? How can he do, like, I, I do something that's half that, and people are like, can you tone that down, please? Yeah. Can you tone that down? <laughs> that's what Jim Carrey has done to actors like myself is that, I do a fourth of what he did, and they're like, no, no. Jim Carrey's Jim. Robin Williams is Robin Williams. Why don't you fucking stop it right now? What? But I'm bleh. Anyway. Um, okay, so, because I feel like you and I never really got to talk one-on-one about any of all this stuff. Right. And um, 
because I also felt like I didn't exactly know what to say most of the time. And I also didn't want to be disparaging <laughs> about the character of this other person mm-hmm. because I didn't know if that's necessarily what you needed to hear at right. that moment. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I didn't want people to talk that way and because I, I know her weaknesses more than anybody. And I felt like already. And there's so much that I love about her and appreciate. About exactly. Her that, yeah. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see people. And I didn't, on her. and that was the thing. I didn't want to shit on her. Yeah, I I didn't necessarily see what I could say that wasn't going to do that, <laughs> but I also know that it's not helpful. Yeah, because a lot of things like breakups like this can be easier when you clearly decide someone's the bad guy, and that they take all the blame. I feel like yeah. that's the classic <laughs> relationship kind of uh oh women yeah. are bitches and then you just go like oh that's that's a correct statement and yeah. you move on but it's always more complicated there's always more shades of gray yeah etc et plus although it is it was nice um uh our mutual friend jackie mm-hmm. was it, she's such a solid presence mm-hmm. um that she was one of my best helps through this like to be able to have a woman to talk to so I could, you know, feel like I was getting a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. but also someone who uh, is, is, has such a core of strength that, you know, she wasn't being battered around or confused by it. It was just a good touchstone to have. And she would say things, what I felt the proper way, she would say, like, she is being a stupid bitch right now. <laughs> she's like, I don't know this person, and I know you love her, and obviously she's got a lot going for her. But she's being a stupid bitch. Well, and this is and not calling her a stupid bitch, but saying in this one. situation she's being one. And I thought, oh yeah, which that's, that's the way to frame it. I was I was a witness to that once. Yeah. And after you left, I was like, you were really fucking good right there. Right. And, and like, I'm glad you recognized that as well. Because it was like she would say something. I'm like, I don't know where she's going with this. And then she'd get to the <laughs> point. I'm like, oh, that's fucking good. Yeah. That's really good yeah. because. And then just like and it's like there's a lot going on. Yeah. She's just like because I don't appreciate her behavior but i don't want to say that she's an evil asshole because i don't know if that's necessarily true right plus this is someone that he still cares about regardless of what's happened yeah so i'm like yeah that's a lot of levels <laughs> a lot of levels that's a lot of levels to I'm try like, to I don't pick know the, do the level of decorum necessary to so that those said waters. let me tell you some shit um <laughs> no i because i feel like a big thing is i feel like you and i are pretty good friends right now you are I, – I don't know if I've told you this. I probably have about like I'm I'm um, trying to pursue and cultivate male friendships. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt when I met you uh, a kinship and I felt like, hey, I like this guy. We can hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the reasons is because a lot, a lot of the things that you delineated about your self-proclaimed dorkiness and stuff throughout high school are things that I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I had the – fortune of going to a performing arts high school where it was cool <laughs> to be that person yeah um as i was describing yesterday i had probably the only high school in america where it was cool to be gay right, right? now high school like if someone's gay in high school not so much now because right. this generation is so aware of those issues and that shit that they're just like yeah i'm gay and people are like well that sucks for uh women or whatever or it sucks for guys or whatever but like there's more tolerance in the younger generation, I think, about stuff like that than any generation before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not that it's 
It's, Perfect. It's not anywhere near good enough. Yeah, yet. people are still getting teased yeah. and bullied and beat up and shit like that. But this younger generation also has more gay parents. Right. Like there are people who are just out gay parents. We have adopted this child or a surrogate mother or something. And that's more common. That's become more common. Yeah. Is it the, is it the fucking most common thing? No. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's more tolerance. Regardless, my high school, like it was like if, a, if there was a kid that was gay in high school, they would hide it and try to pretend like they weren't. My high school had people who there was not a quote unquote gay bone in their body. <laughs> people who are unequivocally, unequivocally straight. Yeah. Being like, well, what's your sexuality? I'm undecided. It's like, okay. Ah. That was like, why was that cool? Fantastic. So it's like this guy <laughs> who is not interested in men. Yeah. Which, and there's nothing wrong with not being interested in men. Yeah. But he meant like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm weird if I'm not interested in men. I was the only high school that was fucking, that, that happened. Anyway. So you had a lot of gay male friends and female friends. Yeah. Throughout, yeah. throughout high school, through college. and But such, not such a lot of just straight dude friends. Because, and this is this has to do with being, I think, raised by two women. Mm-hmm. Um, because men, the first job of a father when you have a son is to teach that boy what it means to be a man. Right. Right? Now, it's going to be filled with whatever your personal issues are mm-hmm. with being a man. <laughs> you are just passing on. Your fucked up manliness, yeah, to another generation, yeah. Like I have a really good friend that's about to get married, actually, who um, luckily came to some big realizations a couple years ago. But in college, he wanted to be his father. His father's strong, fucking in control man, right from the south. They're from the south, alpha male, alpha male. I know yeah. what the fuck I'm doing. He's like. I am my father's son. He's the the dopest fucking awesome man in the world. That's what I'm going to be like. Except the parts that my mom divorced. Oh, which are the parts? Which are those parts? Wow. I don't know. Yeah. So he was always in this kind of like Ugh. place where he was like, my father's like this and I act like that, but I can't tell what are the qualities I have yeah. that I've taken that will alienate a woman like he did my mother. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So... uh I think he's came to some realizations. Point being that I feel like because I didn't have a man in my life growing up, I had my great grandfather, but that was only like really young. So mostly it was my mom and my grandmother. I was raised by two women. Yeah. Uh, you know, and because of that, I didn't have a guy in my ear telling me women are this, women are that. This is how they act. This is what they do. And then I see it and go like, you were right. I told you I was right. <laughs> I didn't have that. I just had to kind of find it out for myself, I guess you could say. What? Well, you did. Yeah. It's it's weird as you were saying that the the male voice, it's funny, I don't I don't think that the male leadership voice is there to say that. I think the male voice is there to tell you what men do. Okay, maybe. Well, I'm not saying <laughs> because that women will do what women will do, and but it's more important for you to know, yeah. How you're in this to situation, a man would. Regardless, I was, yeah. I'm still. I'm not saying that I'm right. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's the association I have. Yeah. That's the association I project sometimes on the other straight dudes. Uh-huh. That, like, I don't want to fucking hear about this thing. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's my projection that I put on other guys. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I don't want to hear about what women are like <laughs> and constantly be talking about, like, bitches be crazy, you know? Yeah. So Because we know what women are like. We know- we're in touch with our feminine sides. So, that's, I was raised very in touch with my feminine side. And in that, that's why I was that, drawn to you. Yeah. So in that sense, it's like when I say I'm pursuing male friendships, it's male friendships where I feel like I'm not going to hear the phrase crushing pussy a lot. 
because I can't fucking stand that that person. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like uh, other sensitive guys. Wow. That are straight. Yep. You know, or or gay, whatever. But it's like I'm a sensitive guy. I like the company of other sensitive guys. Yeah. Because I would like to have like when I think about it, like my guy friends that I talk about sex with, it's rarely if ever about the specific specific sorry it's my clear braces <laughs> specifics yeah. of the sex oh you mean how i i specifically tore that pussy up yeah how you tore it crushed it you know yeah what, destroyed what, all that woman was what, and walked away mutilated just all these uh-huh. awful words right <laughs> which i'm not above using i only ever use them ironically but sometimes you use something enough ironically you start just saying that yeah oops like i've done that with bro I can't not say it in a voice though. It was like, "What's up, whatever, bro." But I like you, people don't know I'm doing a voice. They're just like, "He just said, that guy just said, bro." Yeah. Like, I recall when that dude became that for me. Oh yeah, when I I used to just say "dude" facetiously as a kid, and, oh. and and then I remember the one day I just naturally said "dude," and I'm like, "Oh well, that's a thing now." Yeah, same for me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely the same for me. So point being that when I've had talks about sex with my male friends, in a weird way, <laughs> it tends to be feminine. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the the fact of the sex. It's like, well, what does it mean now that this has happened? Yeah, that's what I. That's the kind of conversation. It is important tend to, get to know. Into. Yeah. Okay. What's emotionally? Exactly. Okay. What does this mean? To we the had sex. So what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? I need to give her, or I want from her, or like now it's a, the dynamics have changed. Yeah. So that's what I usually end up talking about when a mm-hmm. motherfucker's had sex instead of being like, dude, last night, bam. Pow. Oh my god! Bam. So wet, Boom. so wet. All sorts of onomatopoeia. She, she was squirting. That vagina was onomatopoeia all over the place. Oh son. My, she onomatopoeia like on you. Old episode of Batman. It was like <laughs> flap, pow, and Catwoman was like meow, and Luther oh. was like hee hee or something. Oh, and then I drove out of the cave, <laughs> and then the bush c- closed back over it. Jesus, this metaphor has gone too long, oh, but it's good. Sorry. The cave in the bush. I can't even believe I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, they just call me the Boy Wonder. <laughs> All right, stupid. Um, Boy, I wonder when you're going to hit that pussy. <laughs> Christ. All right, that's enough, I think. That got I'm scared. My black. back hurts. Sorry. What? It got too black. It got too black. It got too, it got too black with quotation marks around it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We can talk about that later. So um, we're sensitive dudes. We're sensitive dudes. We are. And uh, yeah, it's a little dangerous because you in particular uh, are, are looking for your masculine sense of self. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. It's like, you know, and I've talked to Zach Sherwin about this exact thing because he grew up without a father as Sensitive well. Sensitive fella, yeah. And so we have these weird sometimes, well, I'm not enough of a man because I'm mm. less like this and I'm more like this. I'm yeah. like, well, that's a, that's a fake idea. That's still like these gender generalization yeah. extremes. And, you know, the thing is everyone has this balance of masculine and feminine within themselves. Of course. And uh, there are so many women that also have a skewed balance. Uh-oh. Of masculine, feminine. There goes a siren. Yeah, siren. I thought we wouldn't be able to hear it, but I could. <laughs> Go ahead. So everybody's like, when you find someone whose balance is complementary to yours. For instance, I have always been uh, magnetically attracted towards um, like pixie style lesbians. Wh- okay, well, you know what uh, the fuck does that mean? Like you know, <laughs> pixie short style? short hair, um, tiny lesbians, but lesbians in general, but mostly. Mostly the ones who look kind of boyish, who are this in, almost androgynous. You're attracted to them, like physically, no, I or mean, just mean like as no, I mean for... just like I've always connected with them. Weirdly, saying I can't because I, not, not necessarily, I I do get along with lesbians well myself as well. Yeah, because 
they kind of are a uh, they're a feminine president presence mm-hmm. with a very heavy masculine mm. part to them, just naturally. And so I'm I'm just barely more masculine than feminine. So it's like I'm I'm the exact complement to that. So okay. and and so it's always felt like so because I'm so attracted towards the feminine everything they and especially early on in life they've always been the women that I could Be talk to with. and associate with but also not have knowing there's no relationship potential or sexual tension going on <laughs> like oh my god here's yeah. a girl I'm attracted to in whatever the various ways you're attracted to a woman are but there's not anything else going on. I don't have to suffer rejection of any kind Dude, in this equation. You are, you are, this is, I have the exact same association. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to work on a chunk about this. Uh oh. Because it's like, I realized it, it basically boils down to Claudia Kogan was the one who gave me a good note about it that was like, uh, all lesbians aren't the same, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I realized, I've learned for myself that I pursue friendships with gay women. I'm like a reverse Republican. I'm like, you're a gay woman? Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. You know, as opposed to no rights and then fly away on the power of hate. But like, it's like, <laughs> and I think it, and this is what it really comes down to, and this is a hard bit. This is why I've, I put it down and put it, let it on, mm. sit on the shelf and gestate. Yeah. I think I'm looking for a new grandmother. Uh, okay. Because I think my grandmother may have been gay. And this is something I didn't realize or mm. think about or ever entertain until after she was dead because she's my grandmother. Right. I've never thought of her as a sexual being. Right. Or what she's into or what she likes. That's my grandma. And nobody from that generation has a sexual identity aside from Beso- well, grandma the lady who must be straight. But that's the thing is like still with that, like even women of her generation uh, are very defined by who is it that you're standing next to. Mm. And it was like, like there's my, my other grandmother had a husband who died, had another husband who died. She's outlived two husbands. Really? And she's looking for a third. So mm. it's like for her, she's very much defined herself as I need to be next to a man. Wow. Right? My grandmother, my biological grandmother, has never had that. She married a dude, had a baby with him, did, divorced him, but they remained like really good friends. And so maybe that's another thing is like maybe my my young brain was like, but I thought you hated a person if you divorced them. But they like had mm-hmm. this really good friendship, which makes me go, well, maybe she's just not into guys. And she just did this because this is like her duty. Right. She wanted to have a child. That's what you do. And then also she never was – it was never like this thing like I got to be next to a guy. So either she was gay or just really independent and really what's the difference? Yeah. And I mean some – there are people who just kind of declare themselves asexual. True. Like they just can't handle it. And, and I wouldn't doubt if my grandmother and... was asexual, but I started thinking like the qualities that I look for mm-hmm. in a lesbian friend yeah. match the qualities of my grandmother. Yeah. So it makes me go, maybe I'm attracted to lesbians as friends because they remind me on some level of my grandmother, which makes me go like, well, maybe she was gay. And that makes so much sense. I've been looking for another gay woman in my life this entire (laughs) time because I lost one. I'm trying to get a new one in there. It's a whole fucking thing. Anyway, way off tangent, way off point. I wanted to volunteer some information. (laughs) Okay. And maybe you don't even need this. This is why it's like because it's like I, I like information. Uh, well, just my quote unquote opinions and what happened <laughs> with you because I realize it comes from this perspective of 
I didn't realize until you were going through this how little I knew about her. Mm-hmm. She and hasn't been around. She hasn't been We've around. We've been here for a year and a half, but and she's I been gone working like for most since of it. I've known you. I've spent 20 minutes cumulatively yeah. in her presence. Yeah. You know? And I was like, hmm, I've never really had a conversation with her. Right. I've no sense of who she is. <laughs> I know that she's Dax's wife. That's kind of it. She must be cool. She's Dax's wife. Right. But I didn't really, it was like, one day I'll have a conversation with her and then I'll have Just a perspective. Hasn't been around to do it. But she yeah. hasn't been around. Yeah. So I come from this perspective. And it wasn't until this start happening that I started to see maybe what the dynamics in your relationship were, mm-hmm. which are a lot of things that you articulated Yeah. earlier in the podcast. So if anyone's listening, you can go back to 10 minutes, hear that. <laughs> okay, you back? All right. So, uh, I was just like, okay, I feel like it's a lot of stuff that you've already realized, I think. A lot of stuff that you have come to realize or would be things that I would have said. Mm-hmm. And I think that you coming to realize them yourself is way better than me just telling you. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is just yeah. kind of like I felt like there was a there was an off power dynamic mm-hmm. and that you let her do whatever the hell it is that she wanted to. Right. Because you were like, I got to keep her. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. <laughs> the way to keep her is to let her do it. If I'm not, if I'm let her do whatever. But I was like, well, but you're setting a precedent. Yeah. You know, and I felt like, no offense to her, that you considered her desires, her feelings, and her wants and needs above your own. Mm-hmm. And then she did not match you. Yes. In that sense. Yes. That she, I felt like, wasn't considering how she affected you yeah, or what it is that I felt like there wasn't enough it, negotiation. There wasn't enough yeah. communication about yeah. certain things, but because of your, uh, what was the thing that you said before? Not lack of vulnerability, the guardedness. Or yeah. The, the guarded. Yeah. That you, uh, kind of let her step on you. Yeah. And you set the precedent and she, was like, oh, that's how things are going to be. Yeah. So she just kept doing that, and you're like... Which amplified her losing respect for me, mm-hmm. and then me trying harder and harder to grasp at creating this identity. And so, yeah, yeah, it just, yeah, it exacerbated. It exacerbated, but I also thing. think that she's very impulsive. Yeah, well, and- she's an avoider of planning of, like, reality. She's an avoider of the harshness that can be of reality. Mm. You know, she lost her mom when she was eight, mm. you know, dropped off at school, yelled something at her mom because they had a fight. And that was the last time she saw her mom. Car accident? No, uh, just a tragic accident, but oh. not, not a car. Um, so she's been locked in a cycle of living in the moment because this could be the last time you ever see the person you care about. Because that was a very real reality for her. Yeah. Um, mm. And... uh but on top of it, that and some other childhood traumas that she never was properly counseled for and always knew were issues that were creating problems for her, but that she didn't ever want to actually address. Um, it's only actually after all this happened and she realized how complicit she was in dragging out this marriage that was lasted a lot longer than she wanted it to um, because she's an avoider. Like, just a plain old avoider. Um, and it came down whether it's... And in my case, she didn't want to hurt me. 
Right. Knowing how much I adored her and the thing and believed in it, she didn't want to bring in that she was questioning the relationship and the dynamic and that it wasn't working for her. And then when you... She was looking for ways out. And when you brought it up, when you brought it up, it kind of was like, this is something that she had been sitting on for a really long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just time to expose all of it and for her to be honest and stop avoiding. Um, and now she's, she's, she's at least now cognizant of the fact that she has to work on those things. Well, good. And I feel like ultimately the two of you will be better people. Yeah. You know, uh, but you motherfuckers were possibly enabling each other. <laughs> uh, yes. Both enabling maybe some destructive behaviors was, that... Yeah, we were definitely enabling each other's yeah, um, things. So <laughs> that's, that's all I would have said, really. Yeah. So it's like stuff that you arrived at, which I think is... I remember I used to say... Uh, I remember in theater school, uh, which, by the way, worst way to, dis- to describe it, start a sentence in theater school we were told we had a teacher we had a couple teachers that spoke in riddles right Mm. i think it's very important because like i felt like my there were people in my class and i feel like it's a a kind of this uh i keep talking about this gen x millennial crossover that i am where i have these gen x certain (laughs) gen x tendencies and certain millennial tendencies yeah because i know people who are in their 40s and i know people who are in their 20s yeah so it's like i I know how to use an audio cassette tape i know how to use a cassette (laughs) tape player but i also know what the fuck midi is yeah you know and i also know how to record this into GarageBand on a laptop yeah i know what a zoom is (laughs) i have an instagram Instagram account But I remember when Kurt Cobain died. So, all right. I'm everywhere at once. I'm everywhere at once, uh, which is an album from a guy named Lyrics Born. Now, uh, Lyrics Born. That's that's San Francisco shit. Good uh, stuff. Bay Area shit. That's Gen X y. Familiar. What the fuck am I talking about? Japanese rapper. Anyway, um, (laughs) so I felt like um, it was always useful. I felt like there was a lot of people that wanted to be coddled. You know, like people want answers. I was like, how do you do this? And there's no real answer. Mm hmm. And really, the answer is finding out how to do it. There's yeah. no one way. You just can't Google, how do I have a good marriage? Exactly. You just have to You figure it out. It's trial and error. Yep. And some motherfuckers don't want trial and error. They just want things to work or not. It, it works or it doesn't. And I don't want to fucking experiment with it. Yeah. So I felt like there were people in my class that wanted to be coddled and handheld. And some of them did get that. But I always felt it was useful to have certain teachers that – those kids, the coddle handheld, were completely confounded by them. They didn't get them <laughs> at all. But those are the teachers that I still think about. And I still think about their lessons. Mm-hmm. Because once I figured out what the riddle meant, it sticks. I wasn't just told, here's what it is. Yeah. I was made to work for it. I had yeah. to figure that shit out. You know, I think a lot of people like religion serves that purpose. Things that are filled with parables. Mm, you right. Know? What does it mean? And, and a lot yeah. of religions are uh, – uh, and that's what it is. It's like, well, what does that mean? How does that apply to my life? How does it apply to the world? Yeah. And sometimes when you, you figure that out and you might think, I think it's this. And then something happens that you're like, well, te- definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> I just went through something that lets me know it's not that. Thought it was. Now it isn't. Thought it was. Now it isn't. Evolution. And I think I almost feel like it, I'm suspicious of people that have too much certainty. Yes. Just like if you're that certain about <laughs> yes. God – you're not taking religion seriously. Yeah. You're yeah, supposed, yeah. I think like the point is to struggle with God. Yeah. It's to struggle with the idea of it. It's to struggle with the idea of religion. But it's just hopefully all of that leads you to being a better person. 
mm-hmm. not killing motherfuckers. And yeah, yeah. Too much certainty leaves you so unopen to experience amazing new things. Exactly. And, which, which was which was a part of my uh, old personality of having become overly rational and overly skeptical of anything that seemed, you know, interestingly magical in its own way. Um, yeah, they, they, I was blocking out entire percept ways to perceive situations mm. and 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 people. Well, now, Dax, yeah, that you're you've gone through this. Uh, let's not even talk about like it's past tense; it's current tense. Yeah, it's present tense. You're it's going currently this. tense. It's currently so tense. <laughs> I like, do a lot of yoga to relieve that current tension. Well, that's good, yeah. uh, and that's why I was going to ask: like, what are some of the steps and things that you were doing? to pursue this new you um well uh yeah meditation and yoga um there's a donation-based yoga in the park by my place that uh it's been amazing um just going on hikes and uh just you just got to get out of your little pity party cocoon and kind of get out there and um and and honestly taking kind of this new sense of self into social situations has in itself been rewarding um, you're centered. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel like I'm bringing something to the table, um, that I'm not, I'm not a wobbly presence. And you just told, you just reminded me of one of the riddles that one of my favorite teachers ever said. Mm. It's a quote from a play. You got to bring ass to get ass. Wow. And people are just like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And then when I figured it out, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. You do have to bring ass to get ass. You got to bring something to the party if you're going to have a good time. Yeah. You know, if you're going to take, you got to bring, you got to give if you're going to take. Yep. Fan- absolutely. Et cetera. Fantastic. Um, another one of my teachers used to say, well, not used to say, but she once pointed out that crying and laughing are the two things that center you physically. That when you cry, it comes out of your center. Mm. Like the, your, the nucleus of your being vibrates and causes tears. Yeah. And laughter is the same thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like right in this area. <laughs> yeah, and those are kind of uh, yeah, it, it, those are things you can't plan. I feel like meditation, especially with like a mantra, even if it's just Om, um, you're creating a vibration from the center that's based on your breath and kind of your heart. Um, and I've been able to create an entire mythology just every time. I chant Om when I'm meditating. Mm. Like it specifically means something to me. Every part of the breath is is a part of a journey that ends, and then I just automatically re-inhale, and then to enjoy the breathing back in process, which is just its own natural thing, and then back to the chant and following along. It's like I, I'm creating an entire world with each one phase of the breath has kind of allowed me to compartmentalize like the stretches of reality that I, you know, an entire marriage, I can kind of travel through and relieve the stress of the beginning, the middle and the end in in a breath. You know, you can, you can stretch and compress the time of your memories because they're just, you know, they just live in your head. That's all. Right. Um, And they take on a little bit less importance. And then as you think about the future, oh my God, there's a, what a, this is going to be really tough to pull this off. Right. And because you have, oh, it's going to start this way and then I'll have to do that. And then when it ends this way, yeah, you could stretch that out to be a long, horrible thing. Or you could compress the entire journey into a single breath and then it's over. Mm. And then you're on to the next one. Beautiful. Um, So that's been a very freeing thing. 
especially because I've been physically so feeling the tension from through the whole process that just allowing my body and my heart to relax and uh and in the yoga itself is a meditation in movement at the same time mm. um so it's been yeah it's been great well here's a highly good, recommend it for here's a good uh, another teacher <laughs> uh this is a good emotional physical meditative and physics metaphor mm. is what you're doing may i throw out you're regaining your sense of self you're finding your center again yeah you lean on someone else too much. If they move, you fall. That's basic physics. Yeah. You have no center. Yep. You've created a place where your center should have had a V eight. The center of your center of gravity is outside of your body. You know, if you lean. Yeah. And then when you move that other object, so that's what's happened to you. Yeah. And as a, as a wise man once said, strength is not never falling. It is falling and getting back up. Master, nope. Master Wayne. Yeah. No, Master Master Blaster. <laughs> a Master Blaster. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Well, I'm pretty sure... Uh, master Chief. What are you... Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure everybody... Masters and Johnson. Who's used oh. the word master has... has uh, master Bates. Used some variation on that. On some, some sort of yeah. thing. Mr. Bates. Anyway, Mr. Bates, any final thoughts? Um, That was it. Book Dax Jordan on your comedy shows, bitches. Good day. That was Dax. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I hope it uh, can help you uh, figure out what habits there are that might be contributing to the demise of your relationship. Um, so, there you go. Um, All Things Comedy Network, guys. Check it out. Check that shizzle dizzles out. Um, some podcasts on there uh, from the top of my head right now in my brain because I'm a human being. Um, you can check out the uh, uh, soccer comics. Um, you can check out the Harland Highway. Soccer comics is with Ian Edwards and some other guy that I'm not exactly sure his name. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Uh, the Harland Highway with Harlan Williams. Uh, the Champs, okay. Uh, comedy film nerds. The Dork motherfucking forest uh come to papa okay uh the bone zone tom rhodes radio skeptic tank the long shot the monday morning podcast with bill motherfucking burr walking the room one of my personal favorite podcasts with greg barrett and dave anthony the naughty show okay jake this with jake johansson one of the greatest stand-ups of all time uh, minivan men with Maz Jobrani, Chris Spencer, and Al Madrigal. Uh, your mom's house with Christina Pajitsky and Tom uh, Segura. Okay, the Flop House, Laugh Spend podcast, shit like that, guys. All sorts of shit that you can check out in the All Things Comedy Network. Why don't you do it? Um, also, don't forget to uh, check out Well Done on iTunes. Well Done, who did the theme and outro music that you're listening to right now to this podcast. Uh, well, he didn't do it. These are songs of his that already existed. And I said, hey, can I use those? And he was like, yeah, sure, brah. So um, if you like instrumental hip hop, if you like instrumental electronica, uh, check out Well Done, guys. I'd like that shit. That's why I asked him if I could do it. Okay. Poopity farts. Um, also, leave some ratings and reviews on iTunes for this podcast. And, and, and make high ones. Leave them high. 
leave them high guys and um also you can i guess donate to me on paypal if you want to uh obviously i could use the money <laughs> uh okay um until next time which is gonna be later this week guys with my guest rob gleason okay deep shit bye